now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, the first one of the 2022 offseason slash regular season as we start getting into the craziness that has already started in the National Football League. I'm Alex Shane, here with my good buddy Rich Hill, thrilled to be back on the podcast airways, breaking down all things that have happened and possibly will happen in the NFL post the shocking, amazing Rams-Bengals Super Bowl that we were all blessed <laughs> earlier this year rich show we haven't talked since the season ended how are you i'm doing pretty well I, I think it's been a pretty quiet off season i don't think any really notable stories has happened so it's nice just to relax you know like catch up a little bit on the news uh you know see how things are, are happening around the league uh get ready for a really quiet start of the the next season for the patriots how are you doing I'm doing great, man. I am very happy to announce that March is here, which means February is over. It's the worst month of the year by leaps and bounds. <laughs> I was fooled into thinking it's going to be nice for the rest of the year because I do that always. That first nice weekend in March comes around. You kind of convince yourself winter's over, even though it's not. But that's okay because March is a really fun time of year, man. In my personal opinion, there's March Madness coming up. There's NFL free agency. The Combine's in the books. Baseball is usually starting around this time every year. <laughs> Uh, it's a good sports month for the most part, especially as a as a football fan, because it's kind of that time for renewal, players leaving, players coming in. And uh, speaking of players leaving, Rich, I feel like we should leave with lead with this one since we haven't talked about it, given our lack of communication, our, our time off post twenty twenty one season. Yeah, Brian uh, I'm not Hoyer. sure if you read. Yeah, Brian Hoyer. Uh, who'd have thought? Yeah, out of yeah. nowhere. Um, yeah. Free agent. No, big, big yeah. Didn't didn't see that coming. Uh, no, obviously, Tom Brady announced his retirement at the very end of the season. It was a big deal for a while. I've stayed kind of quiet on it uh, just because I personally have thoughts on it. I'm still gathering. But what was your instant reaction to the Tom Brady retirement news? Uh, shocked. Absolutely shocked. I, I was fully convinced in Brady when he said that he was only going to retire when he sucked. He was unequivocally the best quarterback, the most valuable quarterback. Who cares about the award? No quarterback provided more value to their team than Tom Brady did last year. That is, without a doubt in my mind, a shock to me that he retired. Uh, he, they were a blown coverage of Cooper Cup away from moving on in the postseason, likely going back to the Super Bowl because uh, they would have absolutely demolished that 49ers team. Uh, and then likely in my head would have beaten the Bengals. They were like one play away for, from beating that, that Rams team. They had that really great comeback, like everything, all the ingredients were there for him to come back one more time. And uh, I'm shocked. I'm very surprised. And I do have theories on it because uh, I don't think he's done. I, I, if you've been following his tweets, following his social media posts, there's been so many times where he's just like, so uh, it's week five of being retired, uh, really enjoying my family. <sighs> it's like, okay, this this dude's coming back. He, he's not done. He's He is not taking time away from football in any major sense. My guess 
is that with the Bucks having about three dozen very key free agents is that they needed a little bit of cap space, a little bit of opportunity to kind of figure out what they're going to do. And, and getting Brady off the books would help. Getting Brady a little bit retired, he can like absolutely go spend some time with his family for the offseason. We started to see that a little bit more in his final years with the Patriots is that he'd start skipping, you know, camp, uh, you know, in May. I wouldn't be surprised if Brady is retired. Uh, the Bucks don't do anything with the quarterback position uh, or, you know, if, uh, you know, who knows what they would do. But Brady starts getting that itch in July. His birthday is in August. Who knows? Maybe one year. He's like facing his mortality. He's saying, you know what? Let's give it one more go. He sees all of the other quarterback movement around the league. And we can talk about that next. And I think the path to getting back to another Super Bowl in the NFC is as easy as ever. So I would be shocked uh, where A, I was shocked that he retired, but B, I would not be surprised if he returned later in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I thought was poor Ben Roethlisberger, <laughs> once again, overshadowed by Tom Brady, as he has been his entire career. Big Ben announced his retirement, and like a week later, Brady retired, and everyone totally forgot about Roethlisberger. That was my first announcement. The second, I completely agree with you. My phone was blowing up like, oh, man, put Alec on suicide watch. His man crush is gone. I'm like, Brady's not going to retire. It's the same reason that Belichick's never going to retire. If you want to retire successfully, you need to have something else you dedicate yourself to afterwards. Yep. You can only go golfing or fishing or whatever so many times. And if you're still itching to get back into whatever your career was, you're not going to stay retired. And I just don't see Brady once the mini camp comes around, once the draft is there and there's all that new town and new blood, those OTAs start, he's going to start missing it. And I think he's going to have that maniac kind of reawaken in him. And I think he will also be back for a year, maybe even another two years. Who knows? It can be with the Buccaneers because he knows the system pretty well. It's not like he needs the entire offseason to really get in there. There was some initial thought that maybe he'd find a way to make his way to San Francisco for one more year. I think they're a Tom Brady caliber quarterback away from being very serious contenders as well. But I don't see the Buccaneers letting him go. I, I just I, I was not overly kind of distressed or depressed over the end of the Tom Brady Eric's I'm with you. I just don't think it's over yet. I think he'll be back. I agree. I mean, I think you hit on something really good is that he needs to find something else. And honestly, I, I don't he has his businesses. He has his like crypto or whatever, <laughs> like whatever Tom Brady's doing, like he has that kind of. But I, I've never gotten the sense that he's like as fully invested in his businesses as he's invested in football. And the one thing, the one storyline that's also emerged this offseason that like could be the one thing to get him to stay out uh, is the Miami Dolphins with Brian Flores. Uh, Flores was fired. Uh, total ridiculous move from the, the Dolphins on that one. But, uh, you know. Flores is suing the NFL, suing the Dolphins for, for effectively, like, you know, firing him because he's black and, and, like, getting blacklisted around the league. And one of the things that, like, could come of it is, like, uh, Flores alleged that Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, told him that he'd pay him a hundred grand for every time that he lost. And one of the takeaways is that if this is true, and this is going through the court proceedings, if that is true, then Stephen Ross is going to have to sell his team. And uh, Brady has been linked to being like a part owner of the Miami Dolphins. And like in the way that so many other celebrities, you know, think of Derek Jeter being a part owner of the Miami Marlins, like a lot of former athletes get ownership control or like partial ownership and become the face of a franchise. Uh, 
wouldn't it be fitting for Tom Brady, who has had ownership of, you know, the two New York teams in the AFC East, but never full ownership of the Miami Dolphins, if in his retirement uh, he, he decided that the one thing that he will commit himself to is actually literally owning the Miami Dolphins. That's the one thing I could see keeping him out of the league. What a kick in the pants that would be, huh? Tom Brady owns a team in your own division. Uh, I think a point you made earlier about the importance of retiring, if I was a pro athlete at least, when you're no longer good at it, really is the crux of this scenario. Tom Brady, I think, is self-aware enough to be able to look around the league and be able to say to himself, maybe not at first because, you know, reality kind of hits you in the face sometimes, but if he says to himself, honestly, I'm not as good as these guys anymore. I'm 40, whatever I am at that point, 44, 46, I just can't do it the way I need to do it anymore. And I think he won't be at peace until, like, he learns the hard way that he's just not where he was. It's going to happen eventually if he keeps playing. But he was a easy MVP last year. He lost to Aaron Rodgers, but I agree with you. It probably should have gone to him in terms of the word valuable. And if he can still play at that level and he's still as good and capable of bringing it, I just don't see the reason to retire unless his heart's not in it, which I think business tweets and his social media very much is. So, yeah. He'll be back. It'll be interesting, especially because if he comes back to the NFC, Rich Hill, his path to the Super Bowl just got a lot easier, courtesy of a wild trade that took place just yesterday, I believe, in Russell Wilson leaving the Seattle Seahawks, going to the Denver Broncos for a whole slew of draft picks. The Broncos now enter a crazily talented AFC West where we have Russell Wilson at quarterback for the Denver Broncos. We have Mahomes for the Chiefs. We have Herbert for the Chargers and Derek Carr for the Raiders with the revamped coaching staff and Josh McDaniels. That is going to be a division and a half, my friend. Oh, absolutely. When when Carr, who in my mind is a top 10 quarterback, don't get me wrong. He's not like one of those elite game changer ones, but he is someone that can keep your team on track. He is going to be the between the ninth and 12th best quarterback in the league uh, at any given point in time. And I think that McDaniels can untap some of his potential that he hasn't been able to access. When Carr is the worst quarterback in your division, that is going to be brutal every single year. Uh, and you mentioned something before we started recording that I think is so true. Uh, The rest of the AFC is going to catch a huge break because of how competitive the AFC West is going to be, that it's unlikely that any AFC West team will run the table in the division, meaning that every team in the AFC West is more likely than the best team in a different uh, division in the conference to rack up an extra loss or two through divisional games. And as a result, with the number one seed being ever more important. Uh, I I think that it makes it much easier for the other teams in the AFC to have a path to the number one seed, despite the fact that this AFC West division is just absolutely ridiculous. But I think that, uh, you know, while the overall competition level in the AFC has elevated, I think that, you know, Bills, Patriots, Ravens, and Bengals fans should take a little bit of a uh, little bit of a positive takeaway here because this Broncos offense is going to do some damage uh, in the AFC West. It absolutely is, and I cannot wait to watch Russell Wilson versus Patrick Mahomes twice a season. That's going to be such a fun matchup to watch. That could easily be one of those 60 to 58 games. It could also be like a 14 to 10 game because of all the time they each spend running around <laughs> in the backfield killing the clock. So, so who knows what's going to happen there? I got to feel kind of bad for McDaniel's going to the the Vegas Raiders looking to make a splash as a head coach and all of a sudden he's got to deal with these three teams 
twice a year. <laughs> but, you know, them's, them's the breaks, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, I think the AFC is just so stacked now at the quarterback position. And it's funny, Matt Jones, I think, is a very good quarterback, but he's now, like, toward, like, the middle at the best of that of that, that entire conference. And he's up against Josh Allen twice a year. I think the Bills probably make out the best from this Wilson trade in a weird way because they're the one of the best teams in the AFC. And I think they have a much clearer path to the one seed now because, they, like you said, the Chiefs are going to have an extra loss. The Broncos have an extra loss. The Chargers haven't convinced me just yet that they're kind of in that category. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I think this, this upcoming free agency period where a player is going to be going elsewhere and signing with new teams is more important than ever for a lot of franchises. Oh, totally, totally. And, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, you were talking about the path in the NFC. I'm surprised that we haven't seen more matriculation of quarterbacks heading that way because they're not done yet. You know, and, you know, the Vikings are considering what they want to do with Kirk Cousins uh, at the position in the future. Um, and, and, you know, I know Kyler Murray is uh, will they, won't they with the Cardinals. Um, but, you know, with Garoppolo likely not being the face of the 49ers, there is major atrophy in the a NFC. And so uh, if, if, if the whole difference between being a contender or not is acquiring a blue chip quarterback, I feel like more quarterbacks should go to the NFC, rebalance it a little bit. Uh, because if your goal is to go to a team that is you know one piece away from being a likely Super Bowl contender, you go follow the path of least resistance. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, the, the Broncos are now in the just the complete rapids of having just the highest level of competition I think we've ever seen in an individual division. Totally, man. If I had to, if you had to gun to your head right now, AFC West, I know a lot needs to happen between now and, and December of 2022, but who wins that division right now? Still the Chiefs? Yeah, it, it's Chiefs until proven otherwise. They, they they are continually just the best team in the, the you know conference. I know that they didn't make it to the Super Bowl, but I think they have just continually uh, been contenders. And I, I think they have all the pieces for at least the next couple of years. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are getting up there in age, and so they haven't really had to deal with a turnover of sorts. Um, but they've won the AFC West for six years in a row. Um, they, they've been one of the top seeds. They've had a top five offense that whole stretch. I, I would be surprised to see if anything else happened. I would pencil them back into the AFC championship game. Uh, again, uh, the biggest difference is that I wouldn't be surprised if they had to do it on the road. That's very possible. That means they'll be going to one other team's home stadium for the AFC championship game, and it might be the Bills from the AFC East. But in order to get to the AFC championship and win the AFC East, they will hopefully have to have a much tougher time beating the Patriots than they did in the wild card round because <laughs> that one's still, I'm still wiping off the, the dirt on my face from that one from getting just absolutely bad. buried. Bad, bad scene. Again, I think the Patriots did great for a rookie quarterback, kind of the first year of a, a total overhaul. And the second year of this overhaul, Rich Hill, is going to be very interesting because a lot of key Patriots are going to be free agents coming up very, very soon. The Patriots did not use the franchise tag on anybody. There were some rumors that J.C. Jackson might get it, but he's going to hit the open market. He's asking for $20 million a year, which is a very hefty price tag for a, a cornerback, especially given all the other talent they have to acquire or and or re-sign. There's a lot of key names on this free agency list, but Rich, that uh, I'm just going to run down real quick the, the, the key ones and we can talk about the ones you're most prioritizing, not prioritizing, who's back, who's not. So we're starting off on the offensive line. Trent Brown is going to be a free agent. He was a key player last year. Ted Karras, also a key player last year on the offensive line. Not like an every-down starter, but he filled in nicely. 
Dev McCourty, Dante Hightower are both going to be free agents. Longtime Patriots captains and stalwarts. Speaking of Patriots captains, Matthew Slater is going to be a free agent. Nick Folk's going to be a free agent. Brandon King is going to be a free agent. We got almost all the linebackers. Jamie Collins, Harvey Lange, Jawan Bentley is going to be a free agent. Like I said, Hightower. Brandon Bolden is up in the air. And, of course, Brian Hoyer, who you mentioned earlier. So that's a lot of names most folks will recognize who may not be back next year. Of those players, Rich Hill, Assuming J.C. Jackson gets crazy money elsewhere, I don't see the Patriots mm-hmm. paying $20 million a year for him. So he's probably gone at this point. But of the players I just mentioned, is there one or two particularly you really want to prioritize bringing you back and re-signing for this team for 2022? Yeah, totally. I mean, okay, I, I have a few thoughts on, I want to say on J.C. Jackson before I give those names too. I, I think that Jackson absolutely deserves that. Uh, so what he wanted was essentially, you know, top five money, which people have been talking about being like Jalen Ramsey money. And J.C. Jackson was a top five cornerback this past year. So I, I think it's well earned. Um, he, he has the unique trait of still being able to force turnovers despite being the number one corner, where usually other top corners like have their interception numbers go down because, you know, teams stop targeting them. And I think Jackson still has magnet hands. And that's worth something. I, I think he was a uh, top three most valuable cornerback in the league by most metrics, um, by just value added based off of targets. So I wouldn't be surprised if he got his money, but I, I agree that uh, the Patriots just can't. They, they just have too many other priorities. And when it comes to do you keep J.C. Jackson or do you bring back Juwan Bentley, Dante Hightower, and Devin McCourty all for like half the price, uh, you, you go for the volume bulk buy. <laughs> and so <laughs> – Best of luck to Jackson, uh, who will likely sign elsewhere. I imagine that the Patriots will find another quarterback, uh, cornerback of the future, either through the draft or, you know, with their magic, you know, however they find guys in undrafted free agency. It's, it's bizarre how they do that. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's what the Patriots did. I would say the most important ones for the Patriots to bring back, and I'm going to list uh, three. One is Trent Brown. I think mm-hmm. the Patriots' depth at offensive tackle is not good. Uh, they have Isaiah Wynn right now, uh, and then Justin Heron and Yonika Huste, uh, the latter two of whom are not starting caliber tackles. And uh, Wynn, on his best days, is you know an above-average tackle, which is worth it. Um, but on his worst days, he's not available, and he is regularly not available. And so when you have Trent Brown, who on his best days is a top five right tackle in the league uh, and also a very good left tackle if you need him, you bring him back because there's nothing more important for a young quarterback's development like Mac Jones than keeping him safe and healthy. And I think that's why you bring back Trent Brown and the Patriots can figure out the rest. Uh, They have David Andrews and Shaq Mason holding down the interior line. You can find another guard uh, to remain competitive. Trent Brown has the ability to play left tackle. He's done it for the Patriots in the past at a very high level. So if Isaiah Wynn goes down, you have another tackle. Michael and Wayne, who can play both guard and tackle. I think bringing Trent Brown back really settles down and gives you more options on that offensive line. And he's such a ceiling raiser. So I, I think you bring him in there. You know that this offense has a lot more potential because you bring him in there. And he's also, you know, a floor raiser, but he has one of the, the highest ceiling raisers just due to his physical stature. Uh, and, you know, if you compare him versus Ted Karras, Karras is also a floor raiser, but he's definitely not a ceiling raiser. Uh, the other two players that I'd say uh, you really should bring back, Devin McCourty. Uh, just because he's still a very good free safety. 
he, he, you know, he's not the top two, three free safety in the league that he was in years past. He hasn't been that for a couple of years, um, but he's still a top 10 free safety and he allows the Patriots to do a lot more on defense. Uh, he's such an institutional knowledge team captain. I think it's so important for him to come back. Um, you know what? I'm just going to stick around with the captains, Hightower and Slater. Bring them all back. Uh, I, I I would expect that all of those players, you know, if they're talking about McCourty, Slater, and Hightower, can come back on a one- to two-year deal. All, all three of them, as well as James White, have expressed an interest to return to football next year. Uh, James White coming back from his injury. Uh, the other three players, major contributors for the team last year. None of them... Uh, False. Matthew Slater is still an elite gunner, still an elite special teams player. And I don't know when those wheels are going to fall off, but he's still outstanding. So, uh, but all of those players, I think, could be retained on a one or a two year deal. Uh, and, and they should be relatively team friendly just because no one's really going to be jockeying for their value. Hightower is definitely on the back stretch of his career. Um, and, like, he definitely wants to play. He definitely can provide value. But I think uh, the Patriots. Even if they let Hightower explore free agency, I think that there's enough of a match in uh, need as well as the value that Hightower is providing that as the Patriots need to address this linebacker position, I think it's still important to bring back Hightower to be that transitional knowledge. As we've seen in the past, you know, Brewski to Mayo, Mayo to Hightower, there's always been some sort of transfer of knowledge. And I think that uh, we don't have the linebacker of the future on the Patriots roster right now. Uh, and so I think that's why you got to keep Hightower. Yeah, linebacker is going to be an interesting position to watch going forward. We're, we'll talk more about the actual free agents elsewhere in the league in our, our next podcast when the free agency is about to hit in, in earnest. But there's some pretty interesting names out there. Uh, Bobby Wagner comes to mind immediately. He's on the back end of his career, but the Seahawks just released him. He could be looking for one more ride. I don't know, but I think the linebacker core is going to be very, very different than what we saw this past year. It already started with the release of Kyle Van Noy. You know, so, you know, I, I, the only concern about Hightower is he might want to go and get one last kind of bigger payday. And I can see teams that are a little less cap restricted, maybe offering him some money. So if he gets lured elsewhere by some 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 big contracts or a couple longer years, uh, I can see that happening. I'd love to have it back as a captain, if nothing else, but... I am not um, going to be surprised if we no longer see Hightower playing for the Patriots. One player I think – I don't think I mentioned him in the initial list, but I'm glad you brought up James White. I I feel like James White, if he – it's kind of a a bad thing to say, but if he hadn't gotten injured last year, he probably could have played himself into a much bigger payday elsewhere. So that injury might have have saved us as Patriots fans one more year of James White. I think he could do really well with a one-year – Kind of, I'm going to show you I can still come back from hip injury and be a valuable, product, productive member of the team. He'll be, he'll be 30 years old, I think, or he is 30 years old. So that's older for a running back, particularly a pass-catching kind of shifty running back. That said, given what Brandon Bolden did for the team in 2021, James White would absolutely have dominated last season. So hopefully his rehab is going well and he will be back. And I'm with you on Slater. you got to bring Slater back. He's going to be the guy for a very long time, hopefully. I know he's toward the back end of his career, 36 or 37 at this point, but he's still got that straight line speed. And I mentioned in kind of our, our end-of-year wrap-up podcast how I thought Slater was the most valuable player for the Patriots in 2021 because that he's kind of the last member of that early dynasty kind of Patriot way team. And before he leaves, I want to make sure he's got somebody else that he's instilled that kind of leadership mentorship role in someone else to lead the post locker room. Oh yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Something along those lines. He's got to kind of keep that, keep that going. Uh, Rich, you didn't mention Nick Folk, the kicker yep. who's been having a career career season, career year with the Patriots since he got there. Uh, you see them bringing him back. I think they'll go with Quinn Nordine or another kicker. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Nordine gives them, like, flexibility if some other team gives the, you know, Brinks truck to Folk, who, like, would deserve it. I mean, he was a top three kicker in the league last year. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised uh, if Folk went elsewhere. But, I mean, I, I think it's such a good match of need as well as value that, you know, Belichick more than anyone values special teams ability. Nick Folk is a very good kicker, gives them reliability and consistency, which is so important at the position. I wouldn't be surprised if he came back. That's one player that like I think is a high priority to return, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the first contracts that they took care of. Um, because typically what we see is for the Patriots to do their special teams contracts first. So uh, I, I think when you look at who the Patriots need to prioritize, Brandon Bolden, uh, Nick Folk, uh, Brandon King, and Matthew Slater, I wouldn't be shocked if in some variation of order, like Slater being the first one and then everything else happening afterwards, uh, just because I think that is what the Patriots like to do first, take care of the, the fringes of the contract, then reassess, figure out how much money you have to spend for offense and defense. Um, but you take care of the margins on first, uh, just because that's how Belichick likes to likes to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Folk should absolutely be back. Um, I'm wondering what your thought is on Jawan Bentley, who, who mm. led the team in snaps at linebacker. Um, but as you said, they released Kyle Van Noy. This is kind of a pivotal moment for the Patriots. And we haven't talked about like all the changes on the coaching staff. Um, Josh McDaniels left. Nick Lombardi is now the offensive coordinator of the Raiders. Uh, Bo Hardegree, who is the assistant quarterback's coach, is now the quarterback's coach for the Raiders. They took Carmen Brasillo from the offensive line. Uh, there's been, uh, you know, they even brought Jerry Shaplinski, like the old quarterback's coach for the Patriots, brought him back to the Raiders. Uh there's been a lot of uh, movement there, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a lot of Patriots players go to Oakland uh, or go to Las Vegas uh, to join McDaniels. And I think that's where Kyle Van Noy actually would make a really good fit. Um, but we are at a pivotal moment. We've seen this uh, a couple times in, in recent years, uh, you know, when Brian Flores left. And then there was just kind of a, a whole rating of the Patriots defensive coach. You know, Josh Boyer left, all those other uh, coaches left. And there was kind of a reimagination of the defensive situation. I imagine we're going to see something similar. I imagine, you know, with all the linebackers up in the air, uh, you know, some pretty other key pieces up and down the defense, but with some good starting younger players. I think that there could be a reimagination of what this Patriots defense could look like. And that linebacker room is pretty important there. So what do you think they're going to do with, with Bentley and the linebackers? Yeah, I mean, I think your, your point about the lack of consistency or potential lack of consistency at the page of 22 is a good one because this is going to be a very different roster than what we've seen. And the more guys that have experience in the system they can retain, the better it's going to be when the new guys come in. I mean, you certain players picked it up, like Matthew Judon picked it up almost right away last season. But other guys take some time to adjust and, and find and fit into the system. And then some guys, like Adelius Thomas, never fit into the system. So you, you never really know what you're getting with a with a non-Patriot player coming in off free agency. So And Juwan Bentley, I think, did really well in captain duty when he was asked to, to step up in it. Uh, it's also important to keep in mind that they have Ronnie Perkins, who they drafted and kind of redshirted, um, they have Therese Hall, which I think is a underrated player. So they have got an Anthony Jennings, I think is an underrated player. I still don't know what the hell they're going to do with Chase Winovich. But <laughs> um, I, I think Juwan Bentley has proven himself to be a, a solid contributor to the Patriots. I also think he's the kind of player that he's going to command massive interest elsewhere. I think he's a good player, but I think he's one of those classic, great Belichick fits. The way Kyle Van Noy was, the way Mike Grable was, or Rob Ninkovich was. He might not be successful in other defensive schemes. He might be aware of that. 
So the pass can probably get him back on a relatively team-friendly deal and allow him to be kind of the anchor of the linebacker going forward. I think Jamie Collins is gone, uh, but I think I think that uh, that Bentley's going to stay. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on that one. I, I think uh, talking of all of the the changes on the coaching staff. Bill Belichick is going to be the de facto offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, maybe. Who knows? Um, but like the way that I look at it is that uh, Belichick goes back to his roots when he has to be like leading the charge. And what are those roots? You get those big linebackers that can play downhill. Uh, they modified their defensive play a little bit last year, and I think they'll lean into it, uh, where they kind of inverted what they've done historically, where they had like the defensive linemen do two-gapping, um, and then they would have the linebackers do cleanup. They kind of flipped it, where they had the linebackers crash whatever the gaps were, um, and then allowed like the defensive linemen to do some cleanup, as well as the defensive backs. And so uh, Bentley is a fantastic player at executing that scheme. I, I, and I, I think that the Patriots, as you said, will value him more than some other teams will. Uh, but I, I think that this is a situation where we have no idea what the Patriots' defense is going to look like, just like we have no idea what the Patriots' like wide receiver room is going to look yeah. like. So I, I think that uh, anything could happen at that linebacker spot, but I think it all starts with J.C. Jackson as that first domino, uh, and I, I think that he is going to get his money elsewhere, but that will allow the Patriots to have uh, something that we've talked about many years past, uh, an unsexy offseason where <laughs> they just take care of the basics, they get players on the roster that can execute at a pretty good, uh, you know, maybe not elite, but a pretty good level. But if you have that depth of, you know, three players that can do that job pretty good, you're going to have a very good offense or a very good team over the course of the full season just because injuries happen. And whoever that, you know, top backup is, is likely going to be thrust into a starting job. And uh, Patriots always focus on the depth. And I think it's important to build the depth as opposed to retain, uh, you know, who is an elite cornerback, but someone who'd really strap their ability to build the rest of a roster. And as you mentioned, Rich Hill, the Patriots just had this weird knack for finding cornerbacks in the seventh round or later or undrafted free agent and just making them into studs. You saw Malcolm Butler, you saw J.C. Jackson. You just see these guys, and those guys don't necessarily do well elsewhere. So I, I, I would love to have J.C. Jackson back. I don't see it happening either. But I think the is going to be fine, hopefully, because, again, I'm just looking at the way the Bills beat the crap out of them. Mm -hmm. And they're going to need some quarterbacks to cover the receivers in the AFC going forward. Uh, speaking of receivers, let's close with this. There are no receivers that are free agents. Jacob Myers is a restricted free agent. He's obviously coming back. They're going to tender him if they haven't already. Without getting too deep into it, since we're going to have a more kind of outside the Patriots free agency focused podcast a little later on, maybe next week. Do you see the Patriots being aggressive in signing some wide receivers or are they going to try and really maybe sign one guy and keep their guys in-house or they going to target a receiver through the draft? Do you see a receiver as any kind of major priority in the free agency period in any capacity? Uh, not a major priority, but I, I think that they'll do their best to retain Jacoby Myers. Um, I think that if they could find a trade partner for Nelson Aguilar, they'll do it. I wouldn't be surprised if Aguilar goes back to the Raiders uh, and, and the Patriots will get some sort of like mid-round draft pick as compensation for it. Um, just because like Aguilar just did not fit what the Patriots were necessarily looking for. But I think McDaniels did have a say in, in thinking that he could be a fit. And so I think he believes in Aguilar. Uh, but with Harry not being a contributor, who I think is also going to be traded this offseason, 
Uh, you're looking at Bourne and Myers as your only two real wide receivers on it with Christian Wilkerson on a futures contract. And honestly, in my mind, I think Christian Wilkerson should be one of those starting uh, players. He did really well at the end of last season, definitely much better than Nikhil Harry did. So I wouldn't be surprised if Wilkerson took on a bigger role. But what the Patriots need is someone who can dominate on the outside. Uh, and there's a lot of them in free agency at the current time the you know you have uh, Allen robinson coming off of the bears uh you have uh, i believe that the cowboys are expected to release amari cooper if no one's willing to trade for him so you have a bunch of these prototypical number one wide receivers that are expected to hit the market um i think the patriots bypass all of them this is in the in the theme of being unsexy the year that the patriots get like a demir bird again uh, and mm. have him just be a 500-yard player on the outside, but you're not paying him $15 million, so you're going to be okay with it uh, because that's all they really need. They need someone that can, like, threaten the defense and actually be that type of a player, like the Chris Hogan's of the past, where, y you know, maybe two games out of the year they bust out for 150 and two scores, but every other game they're putting up, you know, three catches for 40 yards. That's like a very much a reasonable expectation. You just need someone who's a threat, and Aguilar wasn't that threat that they needed on the outside. Uh, and you can get that type of a player for much cheaper. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots got, uh, you know, one of those second wave wide receivers on a much team more team friendly contract. Uh, and then also wouldn't be surprised if they addressed it in the draft. There's a couple really good players I like, Sky Moore, uh, as well as Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. I think those are two players that I think really could be a perfect fit for what the Patriots are looking for, um, and they could be available on day two of the draft. So. Very much excited to see what happens at the wide receiver position, and we seem to say that every year. But the biggest, the, the two biggest things that I think will happen is, one, Mac Jones will be better, and that more than any new face will elevate this offense. It's just the continued progression of Mac Jones, who I think will be a new quarterback next year and a much better quarterback, uh, with a much more open playbook, uh, because it was very obvious that the Patriots were playing him hyper-conservatively last year. And so hopefully they'll open up the playbook a little bit more next year. Uh, the other thing is that I believe that they will elevate Kendrick Bourne into a bigger role. Uh, and, you know, if you look at the, sh the target share, Jacoby Myers had far more targets than Kendrick Bourne, but uh, they had the same production. And it's because Bourne is a much more explosive player. And I, I think that if you flipped those roles where Kendrick Bourne becomes that top target, where he gets the 120 targets and Myers gets the 80 targets, you're going to see the offense be much more effective. You're going to see it be much more explosive and much more dynamic. Uh, and you're going to see plays open up for the other tight ends because uh, Myers is not a deep threat. He is a middle of the field, get that target, get 7 to 12 yards, and okay, cool. Like maybe, he, maybe he moves the chains, maybe he doesn't. Bourne is that player that can bust it for 30. He's that player that can really take the top off of the defense while also be a good player underneath. And he has that dynamism that I don't think Myers has. And the more dynamic your top receiver is, the more teams will have to respect him. And the more that that will open up things for Hunter Henry and, in my mind, Jonu Smith underneath to be a little bit more productive. And so there's a lot to go through with this wide receiver room, uh, but I, I don't think that they're going to get one of those top targets. Tell you, Rich, a lot of positivity and optimism out of that little rant you just went on. And <laughs> in my personal opinion, the most positive and most optimistic thing you said was that the Patriots are going to actually find a willing trade partner for Nikhil Harry. <laughs> I would love to see that happen, even if it's like a seventh round pick in 2026, just like something 
because I just don't see any market for him and what he's done to kind of separate himself. What I remember him for is being a good blocker and having a couple of key drops in some bad situations. So what do you think they're going to get for him? Like a late round pick in 2023? Like what's, what's his trade value? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you're either getting a conditional 2024 seventh round draft pick, uh, if, like conditioning on he makes the active roster, or, <laughs> and the, this is the trade that I really want to have happen, is Nikhil Harry for Andy Isabella, straight up. Uh, wide receiver from the Arizona Cardinals, second round draft pick in the same draft as Nikhil Harry. These are the two players, along with J.J. Uh, Arcega Whiteside of the, the Eagles, are who everyone points to as being like, Oh my gosh, you didn't take A.J. Brown or Debo Samuel. What were you thinking? Uh, you took those three players instead. Isabella is a player with 4-3 speed. He is blazing fast, plays at UMass, hyper-productive. He is that player that I was talking about of, you know, could be that guy on the outside. He doesn't fit into what the Cardinals do on offense, uh, but... He is someone that does have the skill set of what we're looking for with the Patriots uh, in a way that I think he could be more productive than Harry was. Harry was a glorified tight end with the Patriots. uh, And honestly, I think if you remove him, that just puts more snaps for Johnny Smith on the field. And I think that that is honestly going to be better uh, for the Patriots offense because that'll just give him more time to prove his value. Um, Because I think every time Harry was on the field, took time away from Johnny Smith. And they put Harry on the field because other teams had to, you know, put a cornerback out there just in case he was going to go catch the ball. Uh, And so then it gave them kind of a a size matchup benefit in the run game. Um, But honestly, I think that's kind of overblown. So I I think that uh, Harry's not going to have a lot of trade value. But with one year left on his contract, I wouldn't be surprised if some team was willing to take the chance to see if he could, you know, become a valid contributor for them. I would take Nikhil Harry for Andy Isabella all day. Don't see it happening, but I would take that all day. He's a, he'd be a great fit in the New England system. We will soon find out, man. Again, free agency kicks off in a little less than a week. The legal tampering period starts on Tuesday or Wednesday, I believe. Not exactly sure of the date. The Patriots were wildly active during that period last year, but I'm with you. I think it's back to business as usual for New England for the 2022 free agency period, which means not much business being done. And that's just how it they built their team in the past. It's worked for them really, really well. Looking forward to breaking down that with you and the upcoming draft in a couple of weeks, too. It's crazy how fast the offseason goes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know where it went. Um, I think for me personally, dra- free agency and draft season is my favorite time of year. I, t- I say this every season. Uh, what you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast is just like the the year, the part of the year that's just for like rebirth. Uh, it's just reassessing. Like every team now has hope for the upcoming year uh, that they might not have experienced for you know five six months. Um, and so I'm I'm very excited to see what the Patriots do. I think. Uh, We'll break this down more uh, over the course of the offseason, but I'm pumped to see Mac Jones' development. I think he's going to take on much greater of a leadership role. Uh, You're talking about who's going to take over for Matthew Slater. Uh, I would love to see someone uh, emerge over this offseason. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Kendrick Bourne as, like, that vocal leader uh, that everyone kind of surrounds themselves. Uh, So lot to look forward to. Alec, I'm looking forward to break it down with you. Do you have any final thoughts as we head into the start of free agency? As somebody who's been called unsexy more times than he's willing to admit, (laughs) I'm much more comfortable with this version of it. So hopefully I'll have more to contribute this time around. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I hope you speak a lot from personal experience, Alec. And until (laughs) next time, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See you.